Welcome to the podcast. This is Classical Music Decoded. I'm Dino Madrumuthu. In today's episode, we take a look at a violin concerto that's a concert favourite all around the world, and it's Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E Minor. Now, a bit of information about the composer. The name Felix is of Latin origin, and it means happy or fortunate. Never was a composer more aptly named than Felix Mendelssohn. He really had a charmed life. He was born into a wealthy family. His father was a banker, and his mother was a very cultured and artistic person who spoke several languages. They lived in a palatial home, and even had their own concert venue within the grounds of the property. Felix and his sister Fanny gave concerts there. Mendelssohn's parents were loving and generous, and actively took responsibility for helping their son develop his talents. Not only was Mendelssohn born into an environment where all his material needs were met, not only was he given whatever he needed to realise his potential, not only did he have loving and supportive parents, but he was also freakishly talented. He started composing at a young age and wrote a few short symphonies and chamber works. When he was 15, he wrote the widely acclaimed Octet for Strings, and followed that up with the wonderful overture to A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mendelssohn's compositions at that stage were arguably more sophisticated and more mature than even Mozart's at the same age. When he was 16, Felix met the 15-year-old violin virtuoso Ferdinand David. They became lifelong friends and artistic collaborators. They played together in chamber ensembles. In 1835, Felix became the chief conductor of the Leipzig Gewandhaus Orchestra and he appointed David as the concertmaster. And when Mendelssohn established the Leipzig Conservatory, he hired David as the head violin teacher. In July 1838, Mendelssohn wrote a letter to David in which he said, I'd like to write a violin concerto for you next winter. One in E minor sticks in my head, the beginning of which will not leave me in peace. From this statement, it's clear that he expected to complete the work about six months after he wrote the letter. It took much longer than that, more like six years. Mendelssohn already made sketches of the concerto, so he knew what he wanted it to sound like. Those six years were spent going back and forth with David, using his friend as a sounding board, carefully improving and refining the concerto, and meticulously working out the details. Even three months after he completed it and sent it to the publisher, Mendelssohn wrote to David, saying, I want very much to have your views on this before I send it to the printer. Mendelssohn was the architect of the concerto, and David was the technical advisor, helping with issues like fingering and bowing for the violin parts. It's one of those violin works composed by a non-violinist, but in which a specialist in the instrument has had significant input. Other works in this group include Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto, in which he received assistance from Josef Kotek, and Brahms's Violin Concerto, in which he received help from Josef Joachim. The concerto was completed in September 1844, and the premiere took place in Leipzig six months later, with David as the soloist. This concerto has been immensely popular ever since its premiere.
Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor begins with the double bass and the timpani working together to create a pulse. It's short and rather like a heartbeat. The violin soloist comes in next, playing the first theme over the pulse, and this theme is perfection. It's a beautiful melody that swoops and rises, like something taking flight. The second theme is very briefly initiated by the orchestra before the violin soloist goes on to establish it. There's a third section played by the clarinets and the flutes before the violin takes over. But take note of how the violin sets it up. It plays a descending line that starts fairly high in the register and then smoothly comes down, creating a part that flows so sweetly into the section, you feel like you're being eased into it. There's also a cadenza that appears before the recapitulation, that is, before the first and second themes are repeated by the orchestra. By the conventions of the day, this was an unusual move, as the cadenza was usually played after the recapitulation. At the end of the first movement, the bassoon plays two long notes, a B and a C, that function as a bridge into the second movement. There is no pause between movements and one of the many admirable things about this concerto is how well the transitions are handled, the transitions between themes and between movements. It's all very smooth and effortless, nothing is forced or awkward. The first theme of the second movement comes in after the strings open the movement. The theme is slow and has a very song-like quality.
The music slowly builds in intensity before trill by the violin signals an advance into the middle section of the movement. This is a big swell of music, the melody of which is played by the orchestra. The middle section is embellished by the soloist before the opening theme returns to close the movement. Now the third movement begins with a bridge section that transitions into the finale. The bridge is slow and measured and is meant to contrast with what follows it. The finale proper begins with an announcement by the horns, after which the dazzling main theme is introduced. The flutes are important here. They play the melody along with the violin, and they give the theme a sprightly, playful quality that makes the music seem light on its feet. There's a second theme that feels like a bit of a march. It's played by the orchestra at first and then repeated by the violins.
Like many instrumental concertos, the final movement is meant to be a showpiece for the solo instrument. It's also meant to delight the audience and lift the mood, a task in which this concerto certainly succeeds. Here's the ending. Felix Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor, an incredible violin work that's a favourite of many people around the world. Millions, I'm sure. And of course there are many famous recordings of the work. One that I particularly like is by the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra with conductor Herbert von Karajan and the soloist, the incredible Anne-Sophie Mutter. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Feel free to listen to the other episodes in the series. If you'd like to get in touch, my email address is cmd at vivaldi.net. I'm Dino Madremutu, and this is Classical Music Decoded. <laughs>